to turn to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to talk about what I mentioned earlier. Real freedom. Now we're going to kind of start out today, maybe not where you thought we would. And uh, that's okay. That's okay. Real freedom and how it works. What does it look like? I'm convinced that uh, we, we, we think we understand sometimes, but maybe we don't really understand what we think. We don't even really know what we think we know. That's pretty bad, isn't it? All right. Our enemy, Satan, and he's real and he's an enemy. He hates freedom. Absolutely hates it. It was our Lord Jesus who said this. Now, you know this probably. Get this in your heart. Get this on your mind. In John chapter 8, verse 31, says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. See, that's faith. They had faith in what he was saying and who he is. It says, If you abide in my word, abide in my word. Remember when he said in that prayer in John 17, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Abide, he says, in my word if you are truly my disciples. Verse 32, and you will know the truth. How? By abiding in his word. Then you will know the truth. And guess what it will do? The truth will set you free. There's real freedom. It is his word, his truth. That sets us free. There's really no genuine freedom that is to ever be had apart from him that we can know. And then in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, we're going to start out there. We're really going to hone in on verses 13 through 15. But uh, this is a, 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 a verse that is so powerful to us. Uh, those of you who have been to encounter, this is kind of like one of our themes. And that is this, Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In the original language, that's just, you know, it's just really powerful. It's for freedom's sake that he has set us free. We couldn't get free ourselves. He set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, in this passage, Paul is going to talk about the yoke of the slavery of the law and, and just being tied to rules and thinking somehow you can do it on your own. You can't. It's all grace and all God's power. But it's for freedom that Christ died on the cross. Stand firm in that. Don't let the enemy take your freedom away. So I think we get the idea, just looking at this so far, that Satan has really declared war on your freedom. On your freedom emotionally, your freedom spiritually, your freedom mentally, and even your freedom socially as a citizen of a nation who tries to be like the most free place that has ever been in the history of mankind. Satan hates that, and he loves to promise freedom. You know, just be free to do what you want. But actually, all he wants to do is destroy that freedom in your life. He wants to bring you into a bondage that never ends. Your freedom in Christ is like the most precious thing in your life. More than any diamond or jewel in this world, his freedom is more precious. Because it was purchased by the blood of Christ himself. It was purchased by the blood of God. And we know Satan's the master thief, the master liar. 
And a lot of people, are, a lot of us, are allowing him to steal freedom from us. Like I said, we see it happening all around us, spiritually, emotionally, and in our society. Uh, but, you know, there is a lot of talk about freedom today, right? A lot of talk about liberty today, just, you know, in the society we live in as Americans. I mean, you know, it's just kind of like a topic, so let's dial it in, okay? You know, with the election and all that stuff, all the craziness that's been going on, and the, all the turmoil in D.C., and then the pandemic, has tested and strained us in so many ways. Uh, sometimes, even as Americans, maybe we don't feel as free as we once were. There's a reason for that. Now, understand, though, having said that, that at this very moment, we have more liberty if you're a citizen and you live in this land than pretty much, pretty much any place else in the world. There's a reason why people want to get here. They want to come here. There's a reason. We've enjoyed more freedoms in this nation through its history than probably any other nation throughout history. But it's always been a struggle. Always been a struggle. Even in the early days of this nation, as freedom from another country was fought for and finally gained... Yet not everybody was free. The Declaration of Independence statement of all men being created equal didn't actually include all men until more fighting and more struggle. And we still wonder if we're there, right? I mean that there were people who were owned by other people as slaves, as property, even in those days when we were fighting for freedom. So the struggle has continued. We didn't quite have it as, like we thought we did. And even though, like I said, we enjoy a freedom here that's basically unmatched anywhere else on the planet. Even the freedom that we have, we haven't used always very productively. God has granted us this. And, and, and a lot of times we end up allowing ourselves to be brought back into more bondage. And so here's what we'll see. Here's what we'll see in, in, our, in our Christian life and then even as our influence in our society and the world in which we live. And that is this, that as our society gets more and more wicked and selfish, government or the powers that be has to make more and more laws to regulate it. That's one of the ways we lose freedom. As people begin to get more and more selfish, because, see, as we get selfish and we just do what we want, that's not how freedom works. And so as our society gets more and more sinful, more and more wicked, more and more selfish, more and more laws have to be enacted to try to control us from destroying one another. Okay? That's how that happens. Uh, perhaps we don't understand freedom, like I said, as well as we think we do. Um, Paul addresses this, not just our citizenship, but in our spiritual life. It, it covers all of it, okay? So that's what we're looking at here. Paul addresses that in our text that we were looking at. In verse 13, I'm not going to put it up there. You're going to have to look at it. He says, for you were called to freedom or liberty. Same thing. Brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How does freedom look like? How does it work? Well, if we're going to find out, and the only way we can be through is uh, we can be free is through His Word. 
And his truth sets us free. I want to look in his truth and find out what freedom really is. So then I can know if I have it or not. So the problem is where we live, here is how most Americans define freedom. Okay, here, here, Here's how most Americans define freedom. Are you ready? All right. <laughs> that is the right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's rights. This right here is exactly how most Americans view freedom. The right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's rights. People want to do, and, and, and it's kind of like, well, it's free country, free country, right? Free country. I can do what I want. It's free country. We end up being like people were during the time of the judges when there was no king. And it says this in Judges 21, 25. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Have you read Judges lately? Oh my goodness. There's some crazy, wacky, weird stuff that went on. Disturbing stuff. That's what always happens whenever we think that is what freedom is all about. Uh, but everyone should know this. So it, it just intuitively, there's some things that we know that, you know, the, the, the Lord has imprinted in us. And, and I guarantee you, every parent knows this, that Paul's trying to tell us this in Galatians 5, okay? Here's how freedom works. That every parent knows this, that if you give someone rights and freedom and privileges, and you do not couple them with responsibilities, things go horribly wrong. That's what Paul's saying here. That's our principle. You got freedoms and privileges, it has to be coupled with responsibility. With freedom comes responsibility. Any of you ever get your car keys taken away when you were a teenager? Hmm? I mean, is there somebody like, all right, you know, the first time you caught, and by the way, if you're doing it here, we can record it. You're out there burning off your tires in the parking lot up there at church. I mean, you're just smoking them good. Guess what? That means now, okay, I'm not looking at anybody, okay, but um, it means this. Now, how many of us went through this? I can remember our superintendent standing up and saying, and we used to have these assemblies at school. You guys still have, Scott, you guys have assemblies like that? Get the whole high school or everybody in there? And, and, um, our, and, and if anybody from back home is listening, okay, Mr. Snibley was our superintendent. And he was, I think, superintendent when my dad was in school. And so he would get up there and, and, and it had this little podium with a microphone. And he, he, it didn't matter if they tested for it, he always had to pound it. Boom, 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 boom. Ah, uh, boys and girls, ah, uh, it's come to my attention that some of you boys have been out here in the parking lot turning your wheels over. Now that old, that old Chevrolet of mine out there will turn its wheels over. So you're not doing anything cool. You're not doing anything big, Right. And, and so some of us knew who he was talking to, right? But, but all of a sudden you do that, and all of a sudden your dad says, well, guess what? I'm not going to take the keys from you, but you have now earned the opportunity to buy your own tires. And you'll find out how expensive they are. And, oh, by the way, you know how much gas that wastes? 
you're going to get to pay for that too. And then you're like, well, how am I going to do all that? I'll have to get a job after school. Oh, glad that you volunteered for that since you're going to be buying your gas and your own tires and pay for repairs. Welcome to responsibility that goes with freedom. Or you can just hand me the keys. See, this is how it works. And parents, we get this, right? We understand that freedom must be coupled with responsibility. And you know what? You get your driver's license. Remember, you get your driver's license. Remember the first time that you got to drive all by yourself? Huh? You've got a license to drive. You're by yourself. You're out on the road. Mom and dad aren't around. It still doesn't mean you can go anywhere you want to go or drive as fast as you want to drive. Amen? Some of the ones I thought would say amen didn't answer. (laughs) I mean, but if everyone does that, I've got my driver's license, I've got freedom, I can drive as fast as I want, however I want, it's not long before every one of us crash. Yeah, that's why we have laws to regulate that because we've got to protect us from ourselves. Since people tend to be more selfish because of the sinful nature that we have, we tend to be more selfish than we are responsible. True? That's why we had to craft laws to enforce responsibility. You see how we lose freedom? Okay, are you getting it? That's why Paul says what he says. Now, that's, that's the world's uh, situation. Let's get the, the, the full view of freedom. He says in verse 13, I want to read it again. We've already read it, but now I'm going to put it up there so you can see it there. He says in Galatians 5, 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, Do you see, he's talking to people in the family of God. Now, in their culture and in their time, when he says brethren or brothers, he's talking to men and women. He's talking to everybody. You do understand that, okay? No one's excluded here. So he's talking to fellow believers. He's talking to Christians in the churches that this letter was going to originally. He says, we're called to freedom. That is our calling. So first of all, we are called to freedom. But um, he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So here's what we are understanding from that verse. Paul is teaching us that our freedom in Christ brings with it responsibility. Even our freedom in Christ. Otherwise, why would he say what he said? Once again, you're called to freedom. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Freedom in Christ brings with it responsibility. Are you ready for the next thought? Individual rights must be coupled with individual responsibilities. And if it's not, we just gobble up what freedom we have. We all gobble the freedom right up and it's gone. Paul's going to tell us that, by the way, in just a moment. That's what happens. So individual rights. It's my rights. Man, we live in that society, don't we? It's my rights. And if you don't do what's, you know, I'm just going to sue. We're so, right? We, 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 we have on speed dial that law firm. It's an all-female law, law firm. Sue, sue, and sue. Sue happy, sue early, and sue often. They're all, we're driving ourselves in the ground. Our rights. But guess what? With rights come responsibilities. This is what we've tried to balance even as we have limited some of our rights 
in order to protect others even during the pandemic, even when we don't know is this really working or what we're doing. You know, we, we, it's been a tough thing. It's been a strain for us. It's been hard for us. Okay? So, but that, that's, where the, that's where the battle has been. Um, so in a nation where there are rights without responsibility, the result is anarchy. Liberty without responsibility will devour liberty. Are you hearing me? Liberty without responsibility will devour all liberty. Keep that in your mind as we read through this. If we claim liberty without taking responsibility for the outcome of our actions and without regard to its effect on other people, we all lose liberty. We all lose freedom. So, question. We all know about the Bill of Rights. Hmm? Bill of Rights. We've got, you know, freedom of speech. You know, the first ten amendments. Most of us know several of them. You know, like we can start thinking, you know, like we've got, uh, we, we, we have, you know, um, that we can, um, <laughs> I don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, free speech. You've got, uh, Here's a big one. Freedom to assemble. You have freedom of religion. You have freedom to, you know, approach government with any regress any to regress with any grievances. That's what I'm looking for that you have. We have we have you can just keep going through the Bill of Rights. And uh, you know, as we freedom of the press, all of this stuff. And we 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 know about our rights. There's a Bill of Rights. First ten amendments. How come they didn't also write a bill of responsibilities? Huh? They gave us the bill of rights, but not the bill of, res- uh, of responsibilities. And uh, so there's a reason why. There's a reason why. Uh, that caused the founding fathers lived in a different time than we live. And we know their thoughts. On this, we know what they wrote, but we also know their thoughts. You know why? Because they wrote a lot of stuff. They wrote a lot of other writings. They wrote letters. They wrote letters to other congressmen. They wrote letters home. They wrote letters to friends. And we have a lot of those. So we know their thoughts. They wrote them down. And here's what we find out that uh, the ones who wrote, pinned down the Declaration of Independence, who pinned down our Constitution, uh, that they had an assumption. And that's, here's what their assumption was, is that the founding fathers assumed most people had moral guardrails that would guide them in exercising these rights. Because in most nations of the world, no one had ever had these rights. But they assumed that. Now, that made sense to them because at that time, are you still with me? At that time, there was a value system that permeated the colonies. Now, don't miss this. Not all of them were Christians. But they all believed in a God or an authority that was higher than the nation. That was higher than humanity. Are you following me on this? They understood about treating one another right. And they understood about taking care of their neighbors. I mean, given the resources they had, they understood how important that was. Because with the way things were in those days, if you didn't take care of your neighbors, then the time would come that you were in need and they wouldn't take care of you. So they understood about responsibility in ways that maybe we're not teaching responsibility today. 
And they understood about God and authority being greater than us. So, and I have to thank someone else for these assumptions. But here's three assumptions that, uh, that, that someone has listed. And I thought this is really good of our founding fathers. First of all, that there was a consensus of conscience. That meaning among people in that day, people generally believed the same things were right and wrong. There was just kind of a consensus. I mean, a general, not in every detail, but generally a consensus of conscience. And there was also a belief in uh, divine accountability, that most people believed that there was an authority higher than us that we would have to answer to. Are you following me? God had granted them liberty. They also believed in individual expression that was governed by concern for other individuals. Individual expression was governed by concern for other individuals. So I can't just do anything I want uh, if, it, if it harms you in some way. So they understood that, that rights came with responsibilities. It was understood. They didn't feel the need to have to spell that out. Because people just kind of got that. It, it was kind of uh, self-evident. Self-evident. Okay, let's go to the Declaration of Independence and let's see what it says. This is actually from the Declaration itself. We hold these truths, there's where a word truth again, to be what? Self-evident. That is, in their mind, everybody kind of gets this. I don't know that we could say that in our day. That's why things are a little different. And here's what... You know, some of the truths. He said, these truths to be self-evident. Everybody gets this. That's what the founding fathers said. That all men, and by all men, they're talking about all human beings, are created equal. We're created and we're created equal. That they are endowed by their creator. Somebody higher than us. There's an authority greater than government. They were endowed by their creator with certain Unalienable rights that among these, and they just list a few are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That this is self-evident, that there's a power above us. And so they, they got that. They understood that. Most people got that. Most people understood that. They believe that our individual rights that we have doesn't come from government. It came from God. And we're just recognizing that. They, they, they actually believe that, that we don't have them because of government, but because of God. There's a connection between God and freedom and his truth and our liberty. And that we're accountable ultimately to God for how we exercise those individual rights. One of the guys that I like to study was our first vice president and our second president, a guy named John Adams. John Adams was a great man. And he wrote extensively. John Adams, by the way, even though he lived in that day and time, he never owned a slave. He even wrote about how that many that had tried to justify owning other human, human beings as property and earning your living from the sweat of their work, that other people had made money and he chose not to. He aborted. And I tell you what, I'm glad to just say this about that. That I'm glad that this church and our alignment for accountability with our, our association and our National Association of Free Will Baptists. That even though our National Association that we're, we're kind of, uh, we're, we're a part of, it didn't come together till 1935. Our history goes way back and you'll find out in that history that they were some of the, the main ones that were fighting against this and knowing it was unscriptural. And were trying to abolish owning other people. 
So I'm glad of that. John Adams was one of these that he believed this was sinful. And it was sinful what was happening in the nation even at that time. And John Adams said this, though, about our government. Are you ready? He said, quote, our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And so here's one of the framers. And he said that the idea of how this works only really works for those who kind of get the fact that uh, we are accountable to each other and to the higher power. That's what he said. Without that, it probably won't work. So now we kind of know what they were thinking. So in other words, if there's no consensus of responsibility to divine authority, this experiment of government will probably fail. If there's no sense of a morality that's beyond us. It can't be just what we think's right is right or what works for us. I mean, you know, if you're a person that doesn't believe in absolute truth, you have no freedom. Because for those people, which is a lot of people in our country today, is truth is relative. It's, well, whatever's true for you may not be true for me, blah, 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 blah. So if something is true for you now, that makes it okay. Then how could they even say what Hitler did was wrong? If that was true to him and worked for him. No, pretty much all of us know what he did was wrong. There's, there's a self-evident, something pressed in us. Whether you believe in him or not, it's by our creator. That we know that was wrong. Okay? Uh, so here's the thing. If we don't have that sense of morality that's beyond us, and Paul's telling us this, we lose freedom. Otherwise, watch this. When my rights that I think I have compete with your rights, who's right? Huh? When, when my rights compete with your rights, who's to say whose rights? And you know, the saying comes out, when rights collide... Then the courts must decide. Huh? When the rights collide, the courts must. And that's why we're in the mess we's in. <laughs> that wasn't the intent of the founding fathers, by the way. Um, so, because as this is happening, what happens is, then the government must create law after law after law to address every possible eventuality and everything that can happen. So as we feel like my rights are trampled on your rights, your rights are trampled on my rights, and we keep suing each other, we keep going to court, and then they have to keep making more laws and more laws and more laws to spell out more and more details and more and more details, and we keep losing more and more freedom. And all the time, even after they're writing more laws and more laws and more laws, all we're doing is hiring lawyers to look for loopholes in the law. Isn't that what we do? We do it the same way with God's word, don't we? We're a nation that does that. Uh, so I'm glad we're a nation of law. I'm glad we have law and order. But please understand this, and this is what Paul is teaching in Galatians. Are you ready? Tune it back in. Law represents the minimum requirement. You get that? Law represents the minimum requirement of us. It answers the question, how low can I go without being arrested? Here's the line, okay? What can I get by with without actually going to jail? That's what the law spells out. Um, the law itself, are you watching this, is powerless to inspire greatness, it's powerless to inspire excellence or virtue, right? Traffic laws, we had to enact those. They don't create courteous drivers. 
do they? Uh, you know, tax laws do not make you generous. DUI laws don't inspire sobriety. Right to free speech does not make you kind and say kind things. The law cannot inspire marital fidelity. The law doesn't care who you sleep with as long as it's a consenting adult. They don't care. So the law kind of just spells out the minimum of, of where the line is, of the least you can do or the worst you can do without actually going to jail or something like that. That's what law does. So here's what we have in our country. We have individual rights, and they are regulated by laws. That's what we have where we live, and we're familiar with that. This is a recipe for us to be, watch this, here's what we have. That's why we struggle with this, is we have a recipe for you and I to be as selfish as we can possibly be and legally be. Be as selfish as you can legally be. Rights can become nothing more than an exercise of power. I can do this. It's not against the law. Right? Okay. So, in the end, here's what's happened in our society. We do the minimum. We're selfish in exercising our rights. And in the end, here's what happens. The rich rule the poor, still. Women treated as a commodity. Children will be victimized. We have the attitude, if it's legal, it's moral. Huh? Laws inform conscience instead of the other way around. And then one of the end results is everybody looks for a loophole. Even though we don't like the limit, we want to go beyond it. We want to find a loophole in it. So here's our situation in America. Our legal system has probably been, wouldn't you say, it's probably been permanently severed from moral absolutes. You know, it's come a long ways from where the founders were. Probably, probably our legal system is permanently severed from moral absolutes. And, and, and I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I, I don't think we're going back as a nation. You know, I pray for that kind of revival and that kind of thing, but, but I, I, I kind of doubt that we're going back. So what does this mean? This is a problem, right? This means liberty is going to be a struggle. This means there's probably really no freedom. And we're just talking about in the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? But if we're not going back, there's no real freedom. So, so this is, pretty, this is pretty, pretty, pretty sad. Pretty sad right now. Just say, this is it. Sounds like there's no hope. Let's just go home and dig a hole. How about that, huh? No, we do have hope. And that's right. It's Jesus. Here's, you know, actually, let me say this. Our only hope is this. You know what it is? It's you. It's you. <laughs> Here's the only hope this nation, this world has. It's you. Think about this. If those who claim to be Christ followers, if those who claim to have Jesus in their heart actually lived and walked in the freedom that he gives and in the grace that he gives and the responsibility that he lays out here that we have, we have the potential to shape our society more than any law. We, right here, have the potential to shape our society more than any candidate. We have the potential to shape and impact our society more than any president. 
We have all of that. And how is it? It is by our behavior. We're different. Paul gives us a word to help us to know how to respond in our daily lives and in our society. And the Lord shows us how we're to respond to our personal freedom that we have. And he talks about the responsibility that goes with it. This is what the world needs to see because they won't get it and it's going to get to them more than anything. Do you remember when you, like I mentioned a while ago about when you first drove alone? Right? I mean, you get in the car and you take off and all of a sudden you're like, hmm, speedometer says 150. And there is a difference between testosterone and estrogen. There just is. And it's amazing what a young guy will do. Whenever he sees that speedometer, it's like, I wonder how fast it will go. I have to find out. Right? Except if you came of age in the late 70s, early 80s, you remember that? The speedometers only went to 85. Does anybody remember that? I mean, it was like, here's the thing. Here's, here's our country. And, and, and part of this was caused not by everybody speeding so much, but if you're back in like, what, 1973, there was this war uh, and uh, the Yom Kippur War. And um, once again, it was nations trying to fight with Israel. And uh, so all of these oil-producing Middle East nations, they decided they were going to get together and form a pack, OPEC, and that any of these nations that were siding with Israel, we're going to do an embargo against them. And we had an embargo against us, and because we were dependent on using so much oil, and because we were totally dependent on foreign oil from them, they put the hurt on us. I mean, some of you can remember the, the gas rationing and the gas lines in the 70s? Was there a shortage of it? Well, not in the world, but there was here, because they cut us off. Right? And so we had to conserve. And so they decided that speeds from 40 to 55 were the most efficient. So all the states had different speed limit laws. So I'm spending way too much time on this, by the way. But, um, but anyway, so we had this federal law that said speed limit can be no greater anywhere than 55. Did you get that? There's times whenever we're going on vacation and stuff and, and our kids were still home, it, you know, remember when they changed that finally, but we'd be going in a work zone and you had to drive 55. It had the speed limit 55 on the interstate. It's like, guys, I want you to know this is as fast as you used to could go. Yeah. When me and Clarissa were in college, 55 and buddy, they were serious about it. And I always felt a little envious of some of the cops and the state troopers back then, because like in the early eighties and all that, we're driving, we drive, like I'd get on I-40 and go all the way to almost in Oklahoma city. It's 55, 55. But when you cross state line to Oklahoma, they had come out, Mustang had come out with this new GT that had a 5.0 motor. And I mean, those guys love to just blow it out. I mean, you would see them go right by you. And it's like, I never saw him pull over anybody. He was seeing how fast it could go. But anyway, but if you got a little bit over that, buddy, they were like strictly enforced, all that. So uh, it was all because we lost freedom because of the responsibility that we thought we were having to save. Which, by the way, that all changed. But you know what? That 85 mile an hour speedometer, that really slowed everybody down, didn't it? Huh? Is there anybody in here in the room that you got to 85 and it pegged out and you just kept going. Huh? 
Do you know, even the muscle cars had 80. Hutzel, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, and some of them, if they didn't have the peg, it would go way past 85 and all the way back around. The law didn't fix anything, did it? The law didn't fix anything. Uh, so here's the thing. When we get freedom, our fallen tendency is to try to use it for personal advancement. If I get freedom, I want to use it for me. Paul says, not so fast. What's your calling? Look quickly. He says, you're calling that we are called, he says in verse 13, to freedom. You're called to liberty. Freedom in Christ. In Christ. So, here's what you're saying. Because of what Jesus did, you can be free. Now, let's get into that. Are you ready? Uh, watch this. He's saying that because of what Jesus did, you've been called in as you put your faith in him, that you can be free from the guilt of sin. You can be free. You can be forgiven. You can be free from the guilt of sin because you've experienced God's forgiveness. You can be free from the penalty of sin because Christ died for you on the cross. He took your penalty and he paid for it on the cross. So you're free from that. And now, through the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us, we can actually be free from the power of sin to dominate my life because I have enablement from God himself, his word with me, his spirit, his presence in me to empower me. To be free from the flesh and free from life dominated by selfishness and sin. I can have all that. Have you got that? That's what he's saying here. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. Are you ready for it? You don't look ready, but I'm going to give it to you. He said, and you see the Trinity here. What God the Father planned for you and God the Son purchased for you on the cross, God the Spirit personalizes for you and applies to your life as you yield to him. Well said. That is powerful, isn't it? Let that soak in. Now, in the days that Paul wrote this, some were trying to bring these new Christians back under the bondage of the Old Testament law. And it's pretty complicated. You, we've taught through it before. But Paul has taught this. Paul used to be one that thought that, but he teaches this. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, a gift that he paid for. He goes on the next verse, say, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so this is a gift that he paid for. You are free from the demands of the law and the threats of the law. Christ himself bore the curse of the law and ended its tyranny once for all. That's why we have freedom. He fulfilled the law. Listen, listen, those you know, rules have no power to make you change. They just show the limit of how low you can go. Paul said this in Galatians 2.16. He said, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Some are trying to bring them under all of the laws from dietary laws to circumcision to all the other stuff that the, they had in the Old Testament. And Paul's saying this. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Justified means to be made right with God. That's what he's teaching. And so this is what we've been called to, folks. And it's an awesome calling to freedom. But then there's the caution. Did you see it in the last part of that verse? He says... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I like the way the New Living translates that. Do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. 
It's possible to do that. That's why he warned us against it. Freedom without responsibility. That's the caution. You know, if you're using that freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, that's not freedom, that's selfishness, that's bondage. Satan's tricked you. Now, if you don't get this right, and he tells us, he gives us a command, but I'm going to skip and come back to that. He gives us, here's what's happened. Here's what happens if you don't understand this, that you're called to freedom, but don't use it as an opportunity for selfishness. Here's what he says in verse 15. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Basically, when we refuse to walk in the way he's teaching, liberty gobbles up liberty until it's all devoured and there is none. And that's what's happening, not only in our nation, but it's happening in our families. It's happening in our churches. We're not willing to turn the other cheek. We don't know much about forgiveness. We don't know much about grace. But we know our rights. See? So this is what Paul's telling us. This, this, you're going to destroy each other. The warning is not for people from the outside, but this is on the inside. If my rights crush your rights and your rights crush my rights, then we all get crushed. So, back up just a little bit because he gave us a command right before that. And this is what happens if you don't listen to this command. Are you ready? Back up to verse 14. It says in Galatians 5, 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. And one word is a figure of speech. Just one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember that? Jesus actually said that too. The whole law. Actually, the first part of the law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Everything is within you. And love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know that we're doing this yet. So here's what Paul's telling us. You ready? I'm going to wrap this up. You got to hang in there. Paul tells us here that it is not law on the outside, but love on the inside that makes the difference. So here's what we're saying. Our nation can keep passing law after law after law after law because we're causing all these issues and all these problems. And it's not going to fix anything. Right? The only thing that's going to fix something is when the love of God from those who are set free by the truth of God and the word of God, let that love come out. That it's inside of us. And we love our neighbors as ourselves, and we show forth the light of God. What if all Christians did this? What if? I mean, we serve one another in love, like he said in verse 13. But through love serve one another. That we put others ahead of ourselves. No one can make you do this. God's not going to make you do this. And I'll guarantee you, no law that's passed could ever make you do this. This has to come from your own relationship with the Lord. You use your freedom to help other people? Or is your freedom just about your rights and you doing what you want to do? See, we look at freedom completely different, don't we? Now we're free to serve. Now we're free to impact. Now we're free to help. What if we all did this? What if I do unto others? What if I treat my spouse the way I expect her to treat me? What if I treat my children the way I want them to treat me? What if I treat my boss the way I would like to be treated if I were the boss? I mean, we just could keep going with that, couldn't we? What if we actually did that? 
What if we just said the word of God says this and says I'm to treat people's way? I, I don't care how wrong they've treated me. I don't care what bad thing they've done to me. I'm just going to do what God's word says. I'm just going to do this. You know what? We wouldn't even need most of the laws we have in this country. Because, see, now, instead of trying to do the least or to do the most bad without being arrested, now that line becomes irrelevant because we want to see what we can do for the most good and the most right and the most helpful and the most honoring. See, our whole attitude has changed. And I'm telling you, our world is not listening to our our words very well. Our world's not being impacted by our blogs and by your comments on social media. You're not convincing anyone, but I'll tell you what, when they see your life, how many times we got to say this, and they see us going through stuff, and they see something different coming out of us than what they think is normal and expected, then they're going to say, there's something different here. There must be something greater than you to let you forgive somebody like that. When the least I can do and the most I can get away with becomes how good can I be and how can I help others. This world would become instantly a better place. And guess what would come into clearer focus? What is our focus? What is our focus? Thank you for reminding me, Lauren, that my word that I said is focus for this year. And in a couple of weeks ago, we preached on the gospel is still our focus. That's what comes into focus. The gospel. People can finally see it. And they can finally feel it. And they can finally understand it. Instead of so much that we're doing blurring it. Then they begin to see Jesus. And besides us, they see Jesus. And lives can be changed. Listen, the only hope to turn this around is genuine Christians. The real church. And, and it's not by becoming a unified voting block. But becoming a unified obedience block to Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. Alright. I've got. We'll pick this up next week. But let me just leave you with this. I got this from somewhere else. I just want to share it with you. Some things that we can take. That we can do. That we can do what is just. Not just what you can justify. That'd be living as a Christian right? Do what is responsible, not just what is permissible. Do what's responsible. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for yourself in the flesh, but through love serve others. Do what is moral, not just what is model. Young people, if you just do what everybody else is doing, you're going to get on the wrong path fast, right? You know, I'm going to say, I love seeing you guys right there. I do, I do. And... Young people always want to be different, right? I want to be like everybody else. I'll tell you the best way you can be like different than everybody else is to follow Jesus. You're going to be radical. You're going to be different. People are going to notice you. God's going to notice you. And how about this? One thing to do is honor God. Just any decision we make. And listen, if I don't want to deal with the possible consequences of my decision, then don't do it. Do what honors God. Wow. God, help me to remember this this week. I'm going to stop right there. We'll come back. Father, help us, 